quiet. It's nice, isn't it? It kind of makes me not want to talk, which would make for a pretty (laughs) terrible podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Just Saying. And this is the Brief Lab podcast about how to be a more intentional communicator. I'm Charlie Thornton, and today we're going to be doing another episode of Frequently Asked Questions. And we're going to be talking specifically about quiet time, which is why I had such an odd intro. Before we get to those questions, I got six of them. And I'm going to answer my favorite one last. Um, But before we get to that, first off, if you're new, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Please leave us a review on iTunes. A five-star review would be preferred. Maybe six stars. I don't think they have that many. Um, And be sure to subscribe. It's really important that you do that. It helps us get the word out. So please take a minute to, to do that. All right. Let's jump into our questions for today. And if you'd like to get into the conversation, we would love to hear from you. And all you have to do in order to do that is send a question to FAQ at thebrieflab.com. And we will work your question into one of these upcoming segments. If it's a super hard question, I'll probably make Joe McCormick answer it. But for all the easy ones, I'll definitely pick those ones up. All right. So today's questions are all about quiet time. And these came from a recent um, workshop that we did at the Brief Lab. And I thought it would be fun to share these out more broadly and and keep this conversation going. Because as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, we're big believers in clear thinking is the basis for good communication. So if you can't think clearly, if you don't have the quiet uh, to to be intentional about the way that you're thinking, you're never going to communicate well. And that's why uh, Joe wrote, both the book brief make a bigger impact by saying less but also noise living and leading when nobody can focus those two go really nicely together and so today we're going to focus on the quiet time piece of that the managing the noise piece of it so let's jump right in question number one is there a connection between quiet time and good sleep yes i would say that there there definitely is i think there's actually a few different connections. So, so let's look at them. First off, um, and this is something I've experienced many, many times in my life. If you don't have good sleep, it becomes very hard to have good quiet time. Because when you finally get that quiet time, what are you going to do? You're going to go to sleep. Let's say you're reading, you're going to fall asleep, or you're sitting there trying to think and you're going to fall asleep. And this happened to me all the time, especially when my kids were younger. Um, so I think that absolutely... Um, good sleep is important. I think, especially um, in the morning, you know, oftentimes, I think many people find that the morning is their most productive quiet time or the most rewarding time for them to have to to have a little bit of silence, get a cup of coffee before every before the chaos starts kind of plan out what's going to go on that day. And um, if you're not getting good sleep, you're way less likely to actually get out of bed on time to be in a good frame of mind, you're going to be dragging, you're going to be resentful that you're up. Um, So certainly, I think good sleep contributes to quality quiet time. I also think that good quiet time can contribute to good sleep, um, especially when you think about screens. So if you're consuming noise on a screen, there's a lot of research about the fact that the type of light waves that our eyes take in signal to our brain that it's it's daytime, it's time to be up and moving and, and, and awake. Well, if you're looking at a screen at 
10 o'clock at night and then you're putting that screen away and uh, you know, turning the light off and trying to go to sleep, your brain is confused by that. So uh, better to have some time away from screens before you sleep. And there's all kinds of cool research on this. Uh, I'm not a scientist, so I'll let you go find it. But absolutely, I think good quiet time uh, can help with good sleep. And I think that good sleep can help lead to good quiet time. Next question. Can reading be considered quiet time? Absolutely. And I think it should be considered quiet time. And I think it should be something that we strive to do every day. I'm particularly bad at this. I am not a big reader. I'm a highly auditory learner. So I like to listen to things. Um, but I am, am trying every day to at least read a little bit and try to read stuff that's not just work related. Obviously, I read a lot for work and I read articles and stuff like that. And I read, you know, research about attention and things. But but in terms of actually reading either stuff for my own personal development or even fiction is something that I'm making a commitment to try to do better at last year and, and also this year. Um, and so, yes, I think that reading is definitely good quiet time. Now, th there's a couple um, caveats or suggestions that I would share uh, for that. One is, are you reading on a screen or not? Because I do think there's a difference. And I think that reading on a screen can be considered quiet time. But obviously, there's a problem with that potentially, which is, in addition to the light stuff, you know, that your eyes take in that we talked about earlier. But there's also just the fact that our distractions tend to come from the screens. So something's going to catch your eye, you know, an Instagram notification pops up, your outlook comes up in the bottom right corner, and like Pavlov's dog, the next thing you know, you're in your email. There's there's all these realities that come through the screens that you just don't have if you're reading on a page. So if you can try to get your reading or at least some of your reading done on paper. And then the, the other thing that I would uh, keep in mind is I, I think you would be doing yourself a disservice if all of your quiet time was reading. So I think it's a good source of quiet time, but I think you should also try to find some time during the day. And, you know, as much as you can handle it, it's kind of up to you to figure out where you are, but um where you're not reading. You know, at, at the Brief Lab, we talk about directed quiet time, which is sort of quiet time where I'm focused on a particular topic and then undirected quiet time where my brain can wander. Reading is, is really cool. It's directed quiet time that's directed at learning something that you're reading about or entertaining yourself or just getting, you know, escaping reality for a little bit and getting into a story. All very valuable. I do think it's beneficial to have a little bit of, of time where you're quiet and you're not reading as well. Question number three, how do you schedule quiet time without using sources of noise? Um, well, I think the scheduling part of it is actually pretty easy. And I think you should use sources of noise to schedule stuff. So I, I am a very fairly undisciplined person. And so I find that I have to schedule my quiet time. And I use my calendar to do that. I put it in on my phone or on my computer. And when it tells me that it's time for quiet time, then that's really helpful. So I'm using those sources of noise to help aid me. Now, I think maybe the question is getting more at, you know, should we be using these devices for our quiet time? And I think you have to be really careful there for the reasons that we just discussed. You might be doing planning and taking notes on your iPhone, but that's also the source of so many other things that could pop up at any moment. Um, so I would try to, to stay away from it. I think there some technology can be helpful, you know, an egg timer, it's fairly old technology 
or a wristwatch can be really great tools to help with quiet time. And then a pen and a piece of paper, are, I think are, are really good. I personally use my iPhone as a timer. So I'll just set 20 minutes and then I flip the phone over and I set it out of arm's reach. So I can't like just easily grab it. And then what I do is I just give myself permission. I say, all right, I'm going to not wander and, and focus on all the different pressures of, of the day. I'm going to focus on whatever this topic is that I have at hand until my phone tells me otherwise. And that's a way that I use technology as part of my quiet time. But I certainly don't want to be looking at my phone during my quiet time. All right, question number four. This is a tough one. How do I not work on weekends when that's the only time I have to control the noise? I think there are a lot of people who feel this way. Uh, and that's really frustrating because if you think of why someone gets hired, it's usually not to do busy work, especially a more senior or experienced person, someone with a big, you know, a, a higher salary. You're hiring that person because they have that experience, because they have that ability to think strategically and, and do heavy lifting. So if you're a business leader, ask yourself if your team feels this way. Do they feel like the, the weekend is the only time where they control the noise and everything else during the week is, is just chaos and other people's deadlines, sort of, you know, you saying jump and them saying how high. And ask yourself if that's really the best use of, of your investment in them, because you're probably paying them not to do busy work, to, but to do more important stuff. And the, just the very environment and the, the pace of the work can detract from that. So as leaders, I think, you know, if you, if you lead a team, make time for your team to have quiet time. Some people will choose a day of the week where we don't have meetings. Um, give them permission to work um offline for a couple of hours or whatever it needs to do get creative but make sure that your team doesn't feel this way now what if you do feel this way and, and you're not a business leader that, that we're talking to right now a um, couple of things to think about your brain needs a break it needs a break every day that's why we talk about quiet time it needs a break every year which is why i think vacations are important and it needs a break every week. It needs a break every few days. And that's really what the weekend is designed to be. Um, it's also a time that is really important for family um, and for your own personal endeavors. I realize I'm stating stuff that's probably pretty obvious to you, but what I'm getting at is be very slow to surrender that time to the workplace. I think that Saturday and that Sunday should, should really be for you and for your family. And I realize it's easier to say that than to do it. Um, and certain situations, you, you can't make that happen 100% of the time. But I would, I would go out of your way to make that happen. And one of the things that you may find when you go out of your way to make that happen is you have to get more creative with the first five days of the week. And looking at, okay, do I really only control my time on the weekends? Or can I, can I scrap out, can I carve out some moments where I can where I can control stuff during the day. So a few that I would propose to you early in the morning, uh, when you get up, if you can get sufficient sleep, maybe it means going to bed a little earlier, but if you get sufficient sleep, then you can grab hold of a little bit of precious time in the morning when you are having your coffee, uh, do it away from your inbox if you've got to, but you can control that time if you plan effectively enough in most cases. 
uh, likewise the evening. And by evening, I don't necessarily mean 10 o'clock, but I, I mean, you know, what would happen if at, you know, 4.30 every day, you sort of, you worked offline for a little bit, or you removed yourself from your desk and you hold up in a conference room and just tried to get stuff done. My guess is that that, you know, and you did that for, let's say an hour. So 4.30 to 5.30 PM. Could you do that? Could you, could you make that your time where you can focus on getting stuff done? I think you probably could. Um, so I would, I would look for time at the beginning of the day. I would look for time at the end of the day. And then once you've got that, maybe try to carve out a little bit of time at lunch, you know, just 10 minutes of quiet for you while you chew your sandwich, chew it slowly. Uh, and then maybe a little bit of time to reflect and plan out what the afternoon looks like. Um, I think that th those are pretty valuable things. And if you start doing that on a consistent basis, provided you're able to get enough sleep, I think you'll find that making the weekend uh, off limits is, is going to work a little bit better. Okay. Let's move on. What number are we on? Question number five. We're getting toward the end and I'm saving my favorite question for last. That's called a hook, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to entice you to keep listening. So yes. Uh, number five, quiet team. Oh, this is a fun one. Quiet time seems like an expert level skill. Is there an intermediate levels exercise? Okay. I think I know why you're saying that. I think I know why you're saying that it feels like an expert level skill. And it, you're saying it because it quiet time is hard. It, it requires a lot of discipline. It requires you exerting control over your environment when we're used to our environment exerting control over us. So when we are in the middle of that river and that current is pulling hard, quiet time seems like such an expert thing. But I'm going to push back a little bit. And I'm going to say that it's not an expert level skill. It's something that's profoundly human. Um, and our brains know that. Our brains know that quiet time is actually one of the best ways that we learn. It's, you know, you, you want to give an, see an example of this, go find a, a toddler, um, nine, 10 months old and hand them a toy, like a new toy that they've never seen before. And just observe them in silence. They will look at it. They'll turn it over. They'll examine it. They'll squeeze it. They'll bang it on the floor. They'll put it in their mouth. What are they doing? They're, they're spending quiet time without another care in the world and they're giving themselves permission it's easy when you're a toddler but they're giving themselves permission to just be totally absorbed in that moment in that thing that's right in front of them so i think somewhere deep down inside us our brains know how to do this and i think they actually want to do it they've been told that it's it's easier and more rewarding to not do it but i think if you can start to teach them they'll remember this sort of profoundly human thing. Okay, that's nice and theoretical, but it's still hard, right? So what do we do? All right, so maybe not an intermediate skill, but think about it like this. Instead of trying to develop a different skill and then at some point switch over to quiet time, just lower the bar for yourself. If you find that quiet time is very difficult for you, then do less of it, but still do some of it. Maybe taking a minute of quiet time is what you can handle right now. All right, it's somewhere to start. I would recommend ultimately getting to more than that. And I think, you know, a lot of smarter people than I would would also recommend that. But a minute's fine. 
it's better than no minutes, right? So, or my wife does this thing where she just closes her eyes and breathes for a second or two. That, you know, we got a busy household. That sometimes that second or two is what she can handle at that moment, what she can get, and it and it can make a big difference. So rather than sort of trying to figure something else out, I would just say, make the bar lower, you know? And, um, you know, if, if you can do five minutes of reading and then um, do a couple minutes of reflection and then five more minutes of reading, uh, that's a great, you know, that's a great start. And over time, maybe you start to shift that dynamic or extend the whole thing. We do these at the Brief Lab, we have this deck of cards called the Take Five Cards. And there's all kinds of cool different things in there, rest, reflect, read. So there are all different kinds of things that we can do with our quiet time. Um, you can go on the website and grab a deck of these. They're not, not expensive, right? Um, but that might be a good way to sort of help yourself get over the uncertainty. Because I think part of what people really struggle with with quiet time is, and per, maybe this is particularly Americans, we're so wired to constantly be moving, like to constantly be consuming something or being productive. It's got to be productive. And I think sometimes we forget that sometimes being productive, at least from a cognitive perspective, is taking a break. Sometimes actually taking a break is the best thing that you can do. I mean, think about it like uh, if you're in a NASCAR race and you may tell yourself, I don't have time for the pit stop. Well, you're going to regret that because you need to stop and take those old tires off and put those new ones on. And it may not have to be a long stop, but you need that that pit stop in there. Um, so something to think about. I don't think it's a it's an inner. I don't think it's a, a an expert level skill, but I realize it's hard. Those are a couple of things you can think about. Get better at it. All right, cool. This brings us to our final question and my favorite one of the group, which is, what about background noise? Does it help, or does it just create more noise? I'll tell you why I love this one. I'm actually a musician um, and I'm a songwriter and I'm a highly auditory person. I love listening to stuff. Um, people think I'm crazy sometimes when I say this, but I would probably rather be blind than deaf um, because the hearing world just, it, it, it matters so much to me. Um, obviously I'd rather be neither, right? So, this question, it kind of depends on who you are and how you learn. Um, for me, I really struggle with background music because I start listening to it and I start analyzing it as music. There are certain types of background music that I can handle. Um, they have to be sort of atmospheric. So more just noises, anything that's got a lot of structure, a lot of notes, think like Mozart or based Beethoven. I certainly can't listen to that stuff because I start to get pulled into the melody. Um, I also can't listen to anything that has lyrics in it because I start listening to the lyrics. I care a lot about lyrics and I want to know what they are. Um, so I really struggle with background music. Now, other people don't. Some people find it to be an effective form of white noise. White noise is basically just noise that covers up other noise that could be distracting. So if you're that person, fine. Background music might work really well for you and, and go for it. Now, I would say this. I think it'd be good for you just in general, to at least experience real quiet. So, you know, a lot of people will work with a TV on in the other room and the TV's just going. Give yourself the experience of shutting that off, shutting off the music, 
And I think once you figure out what zero is, then you can, it's, it's a lot easier to figure out what's the right volume that you want to set things at. Um, so even if you enjoy background music, you feel it makes you more productive, every once in a while, shut it off and see what it's like. If you find that you start listening to the music, now you're doing in and out thinking and you're essentially multitasking, which all the science says is sort of a myth and doesn't really work. Okay. Those are my best guesses at some questions about quiet time. Uh, you like these answers? You hate them? Let us know. You got your own question? Jump into the conversation. It's really easy to do that. You just send a question to faq at thebrieflab.com. We do this podcast for you guys, so we want to hear from you and we want to know how we can make it better and more specific to what you're working on. Why are we talking about quiet time? Because we're all about intentional communication. If you can't think clearly, you will never communicate clearly. And so this is important. It's why Joe, my boss, wrote the books uh, Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. They go together. Quiet time leads to better communication. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye.